0: Job 19 here, the cry of Job out to his Redeemer and Savior. So appropriate as we sing this evening. With that, why don't we open up God's Word to Job 19? We'll be going over three verses this evening, starting in verse 25, going through 27. Job 19. Hear the reading of God's word. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another, my heart faints within me. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Well, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you once again, Lord. We beseech you with our petitions and our requests. Lord, you know our needs. Lord, we are frail and weak. And Lord, we often need your strength. We need your guidance and wisdom in our lives. And so, Lord, we cry out to you this evening. We lift up Brother John and for us, Lord, who are suffering in body, Lord, may you relieve them in their time of suffering. May you be with them, Lord, and strengthen them. Help this body to continue to support them and encourage them through their dire needs. Now, Father, we just ask that this time that we come to you, the reading of your word and teaching, Lord, may it be honoring and pleasing to you. May we receive from your spirit this evening. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Has anyone gone through a period of time in their life that it feels like they're a part of an old country song? Anybody know, it? listen to old country music a little bit, you know? The country music I'm talking about, you know, I grew up out in the West listening to all my, my aunts and uncles listening to country radio and stuff. You know, it always seemed to be a reoccurring theme. You know, you know, you lost your wife or girlfriend, you know, and that's hard times. You lost your job. You know, you lost your house. And you make matters worse, you know, even your dog left you. You know, this this seems to be like a theme that I've seen in country music often. I think many of us can relate to what seems like everything's going wrong in our life. It just seems like one thing after another, after another that hits us. And often it feels like even we're under the condemnation from God. We are out of favor with the Almighty, and we really don't know why. The book of Job is a story such as this. He lost absolutely everything. He lost his family, his wealth, his health, and he was seeking answers to the age-old question of why me, God. This is why this book is so relatable. Job's suffering is what we often see in our own life as a part of the fallen world that we live in. So where does Job draw his strength from in his miserable condition? We see that his hope lies in his Redeemer. The concept of a Redeemer isn't novel, one that is first introduced in Job. It's a reoccurring theme throughout the Old Testament and often in the New Testament as well. So we're going to be going over a few points this evening the three main points being the Old Testament use of Redeemer, Job's idea of what, who his Redeemer was, and then also briefly looking at the New Testament this evening. So what is the Old Testament use of the Redeemer? The Redeemer, the Hebrew word goel, uh, was an individual responsible to aid extended family in their time of need. Often something was lost, maybe fortune possibly life there, the death of a widow. This person was responsible as a family member to redeem, restore what was lost there. Sometimes this caused families into poverty when they lost things or forced the sell of property. We see this in Leviticus 25:25, 25, 25. your brother becomes poor and sells part of his property, then his nearest redeemer shall come and redeem what his brother has sold. So here's an idea of the Old Testament concept of redeemer. He was to go there and sort of help out the family that was in desperate need, the closest kin, or was called kinsman redeemer. We also have a story in the book of Ruth of the idea of a redeemer, with Boaz there redeeming not only Naomi but also Ruth. It's a great story of a redeemer. It also points forward to Christ. There is also the concept in redemptive history of God redeeming his people. So not just individuals or things or property, but also as an entire people. We see this in the Old Testament. God's deliverance of his people from Egypt is spoken of as redemption. And Exodus, uh, that's one of the main themes there. He is Israel's redeemer. We see that in Psalm seventy eight thirty-five. The emphasis may be on the great strength needed to accomplish this uh, objective, strength itself serving as a kind of ransom price. Once again, God's people are found in captivity in Babylon, and he must redeem his people there once again. So we see individuals, we see property, and we see entire people. This concept in the Old Testament of what a redeemer is. Now this brings us to our first important question of who is this redeemer that Job is speaking of in verse 25. And to what extent may this redeemer help him in his time of need? So Job looked, uh, this may be passage uh, 19, 25 through 27, might be the most famous verses or uh, place here in the book of Job. Many people have quoted this and cite this, you know, I I hear Christian songs on the radio. You know, I know my Redeemer lives, right? These are our famous, famous passages out of the book of Job here. But who is Job actually talking about? Well, let's let's back up a little bit and talk about where we are in the book of Job. Job up to this point had been rather negative about his entire life. Not only him, but his friends too, right? His friends are not giving great advice. They're not much help and solace in his time of suffering and need. If we look there in uh, chapter 19, I'll briefly go over these here in verses 6 through 13. Job speaks of all that God has done to him. They are. God has put, uh, has put in the wrong, verse 6. God has closed the net. He has walked up, or walled up. He has set darkness. He has stripped. He has taken. He breaks down. He has pulled up. He has kindled. He counts. His troops come on together. He's put my brothers far from me. Those are just some examples there in just chapter 19 of God sort of displaying a bunch of bad things upon Job. And we come to this famous passage here. Despite all these things, God has done to Job, there still remains a glimmer of hope. So imagine yourself being in this position, losing absolutely everything. Would this be a time where you would still find hope? Well, Job does. We look at verse 25. It opens up by saying, for I know that my Redeemer lives. Job is convinced of this truth. The truth is that his redeemer lives. Listen to what Job is saying, what he is not saying. He's not saying he will live in future tense or anything like that. He says his redeemer is alive today. He also state uh, doesn't state that he hopes or is trusting that his redeemer will intervene eventually he just knows it this is a matter of fact to him this isn't you know speculation or you know sometimes we as humans we say hey you know i hope i get you know a million dollars you know knowing that you know unless we actually did something for it you know that's just you know a pie in the sky type of thing But he knows his Redeemer lives and will intercede on his behalf. In spite of his circumstances, he knows this is truth, this is fact, and this will happen. So who is this Redeemer that he speaks of here in verse 25? I remember I was back in uh, Bible college, and we were going through wisdom literature. Fantastic class. I learned quite a bit. But we were going over the book of Job, and... uh, my professor went over this specific topic of who the Redeemer was that Job is talking about. And he took the position, well, you know, um, Job here is just speaking about, you know, an actual kinsman, an actual blood relative here. That's it. That's all we can t- infer out of this verse. And that sort of surprised me a little bit because I would probably take a little bit different position on this. Um, but that is something that is currently argued from academic scholars, that this is just a blood kinsman redeemer. That's all Job is thinking about here. In historical context, it can mean nothing more than that. In historical context, Job was not thinking specifically about Jesus' death and resurrection and the hope that Christians gain from this Redemptive event. Therefore, Job was only referring to this little person. I would disagree. Not only would I disagree with this assessment of it just being a person he knew, along with many other people throughout church history, would argue that this is indeed the Redeemer. Going all the way back, I looked through several different comedies, ancient, medieval, all the way up to Spurgeon. In fact, I went as far as that. All agreed, uh, we are talking about God and specifically Christ here as our Redeemer. Interestingly, if you open up your – or if you're looking at your, your word, the uh, scripture, um, if you have a modern translation, you will see Redeemer is what? It's capitalized. That's a theological statement that is in Bible translation here. They are intentionally, the translators are intentionally saying something by capitalizing the letter R there. Um, I think the one version I saw that wasn't capitalized was the KJV, but I mean we're talking you know Old English here. I didn't infer too much as far as what that meant, but I find that interesting. Many of our modern translations capitalize this. Uh, including the ESV, LSB, and KJV, which many of us here use as well, all capitalize this "redeemer." So they're making a statement. Some, some they're making a statement about who this redeemer is, even in our Bible here. Um, besides some of the ancient commentators and the medieval's, and even more modern one, uh, Handel's Messiah makes the same argument. If you go to, I think it's, uh, I think it's Act 3, uh, it starts in with verse 25, 1925 right here. I know my Redeemer lives. So Handel even makes this assertion that this is Christ here that we're talking about as the Redeemer. Uh, a little side note about Handel. Handel was, born, uh, was buried at Westminster Abbey there. Uh, there's a bronze statue of him with the Word of God opened up to Job 19.25, interesting. So, not only do I disagree with that, biblical commentators of old and more modern also disagree with some of these interpretations. I believe the Word of God, most importantly, would argue that this is the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, that we're talking about. So this would have been a familiar title for Old Testament saints. We see this throughout Isaiah and many other places. We see the theme of God redeeming His people and individuals. Furthermore, the phrase at the end of verse twenty-five supports this redeemer, in which it says, "Who will stand upon the earth? Who can actually stand upon the earth?" I don't think any one of us can, you know, stand upon. This is this is significant of someone who is over and above. Everyone else and over creation itself. So I would argue, like many others, that we are indeed talking about God, the redeemer here that Job is talking about. Job is confident that although all earthly kin may disown him, and we see this in time past. This is also another argument that uh, Job isn't talking about a kinsman because he was basically shunned by his own family by his own wife, in fact. Um, His divine kinsman is prepared to own him and speak in his favor. The last word in his case, the heavenly Goel. Hearing the cry of Job's innocent blood from the dust of his grave will pursue his defamers and avenge his name. Continuing on, verse 26 and 27. Does Job believe in a resurrection of the body? This is interesting. I'm was talking a little bit about this with, uh, I believe, my kids a few weeks ago about, you know, the resurrection. Sort of where do we see this even in the Old Testament? Not as common as what we see in the New Testament. But we do see glimmers of it here. Job recognizes in verse 26, and after my skin has been thus destroyed. So he recognizes that his body will deteriorate in death. That time is coming. He's actually feeling the effects of death and decay right now in his own body when he is speaking. However, even after death, somehow God will vindicate him. Yet in my flesh, I shall see God. Interesting he uses the word flesh here. And if we continue on to verse 27, it says, whom I shall see for myself. So not only is his flesh there, but he also has The ability to see God with his own eyes. It makes clear that Job expects to have an experience as a man, not just as a disembodied soul or simply a figment of his imagination. Job rests assured that this is his flesh in his own physical form, that he will see God, his Redeemer, who will vindicate him. Job's hope is about the glory of the future resurrection here. Let's continue on to the New Testament use here. Is there an idea of Redeemer in the New Testament? Well, obviously, we don't have apples to apples when it comes to Hebrew and Greek, but the idea of ransom is similar as far as the concept of Redeemer. And we also see this in the person of Jesus Christ as our Redeemer. The pronouncement of God's power in delivering his people affords the necessary bridge to the New Testament use of redemption. Certain passages throughout the gospel we can look at. Use somewhat vague or veiled words as implying divine intervention without specific reference to any ransom. We see this in Luke in several passages there. Mark 10:45 is probably a more significant verse as we look at. Though it does not contain the word redeem, it is crucial. Christ's life or ministry would terminate in the act of self-sacrifice that would serve as a ransom for how many? For many, right? The ransom for many. For the curse of the law. Paul compels redemption with justification and propitiation as well. So there are ideas, concepts in the New Testament. We also see the fulfillment of Job's Redeemer here in the person of Christ who ultimately vindicates him. So a few notes of application this evening. Can you say that you know your Redeemer like Job did? Can you say that with certainty, without wavering? This is a very important question for us to ask. Do you know Job's Redeemer? Not, hey, you know, you know, I, I believe what I believe, and you believe what you believe, you know, and we'll hopefully it all shake out at the end. But do you know, beyond in the shadow of a doubt, who this Redeemer is, who saves us from our sin? from our misery, our fallen state here on earth. If you struggle with knowing this as a Christian, rest assured that God hears your petitions. He hears your cries and your pleas, just like Job. Ultimately, as we look through the book of Job, there at the end, God answers Job. Maybe not in the way that Job wants to be answered, but it is interesting, he does answer him. To the point where Job has to basically shut up like, well, I have to be quiet before this almighty God. He does answer God. And we can also know that he will answer us as well. We can have confidence in this redeemer. There is no doubt. Spurgeon said this about obtaining assurance from the Lord. Assurance is a jewel for worth, but not for rarity. It is the common privilege of all the saints if they have but the grace to obtain it. And this grace, the Holy Spirit freely gives it. So knowing our Redeemer, we can be assured, we can rest assured in that. And Ty spoke a lot about rest this morning. We can rest assured in who this Redeemer is and that he will do what he set to accomplish to do. If you wrestle with the big question of life, you know, why are these things happening to me? I often hear, you know, questions like this. And sometimes that happens to us all. We can all, you know, fall into that. Like, you know, woe is me, you know, all these bad things. You know, uh, recently we, we lost our transmission and then uh, our roof blew off and uh, we got struck by lightning and we almost drove off the side of a mountain this year. You know, woe is me, right? You can look at these things, you know, and we all have these stories of bad things that can happen, seem like they continue to happen. But we can know that God hears us, He answers us, and we can rest assured that He gives us freely this Redeemer to us for those who are inside of Christ. So if you wrestle with these big questions why are these things happening? Look to Christ. Often, I think I believe I've heard Kevin, I've read this many times as well, you know, for every time you look at yourself, look at Christ ten times. You know, sometimes we're too introspective. We need to look to him. Uh, We can have trust and take confidence, rest easy knowing the truths and promises Christ has given us. Just like Job knew that he would see with his own eyes, we should know with that same confidence That we will see God with our own eyes as well. So that gives us comfort and peace for us as believers. For the unbeliever, though, this should be something that doesn't bring us any confidence in knowing, and this should be also a warning to them. So our plea to you this morning is to turn to Christ. He's the only one that we can be for certain about. This Redeemer this Redeemer that Job knows and that we can know, we can read in Scripture, we can personally know, and we can be filled through by the Holy Spirit in our own lives, knowing this Redeemer. But you cannot have confidence in your eternal life, your eternal soul, without knowing Christ. So the call is to repent, turn from your sinful ways, and believe in the gospel message of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sin and salvation. Let us pray. Well, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the word out of Job here. Lord, help us to have assurance in knowing that you are our Redeemer, the same Redeemer that was for Job so many years ago, Lord, that we can have assurance that you also are ours. We can have peace and comfort with you. Father, I just ask a blessing upon us all as we go out this evening. Help us to uh, think about your word. May we act upon your word. And, Lord, may we be transformed by your word. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. You are dismissed.